You're listening to a sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara. We believe in unapologetic preaching, unashamed adoration of Jesus, unceasing prayer, unafraid witness, and uncommon community. If you have yet to do so, we would love to have you join us for worship in God's Word on Sunday mornings. For more information, visit us online at harvestniagara.ca. Thanks for listening. Well, Harvest, it's a joy to be able to open God's Word uh, with you today. Um, If you haven't been with us recently, if you are visiting, we're so glad that you're here, um, and we're glad that you've come to worship Christ with us this Christmas Eve. I'd like to just take a second right now just to kind of help you uh, track with where we've been in our Easter or in our Christmas series. I'm already thinking Easter. I did this in the last in the last message too. I don't know what's wrong with me. It's Christmas, okay? Um, so just to help you follow along with where we are for the last three weeks, we've been talking through the themes of Advent, of Advent, of of love, of joy, of hope, and we've been talking about how all of these themes are not just single things that are kind of piled on top of each other, but they're woven together. That joy relates to love. We can have joy in Jesus Christ because we've experienced the love of God in our lives. And we can have hope because we know that the resurrection is real and it is coming. And all of these things are ultimately all tied up in the presence of Jesus Christ, which leads us to Christmas Eve, which leads us to the time of year when we remember that Jesus Christ came to dwell among us, that he came into this world as a baby, that he came to live here among us so that we could know the presence of God. And so that's where we've been, that's where we're going, and today we're going to focus on the last of the Advent themes, the theme of peace. And to be honest with you, peace is kind of like the forgotten fourth child of the Advent themes. It's the one that kind of trails along and you you really don't talk about it a whole ton. You don't focus on it that much, but today we're going to dig into it for the next few minutes. And uh, as we do that, Um, I would like to invite you to open up your Bible to John chapter 14 if you have a Bible with you. If you don't have a Bible with you today, uh, just go ahead and put your hand up nice and high. We've got our ushers very patiently waiting to come down and to give you a Bible, so keep that hand up, and they would love to get a copy of God's Word in your hand, and honestly, if you don't have your own Bible at home, um, then, then take this. It's our gift to you. We would love for you to have a copy of God's Word in your home so that you can read it and be blessed by it. And so today we're going to dig into John chapter 14, verse 27. Uh, to be honest, not a typical Christmas, Christmas text. Okay, this is not your, your typical verse for Christmas. Um, but really what Jesus speaks of here really hits the theme of peace. And, uh, you know, to be honest, I really don't have a ton to offer here today. And ultimately, I can't affect these things in any of our hearts, even in my own heart. But Um, I can lead us before one who can, and that is the Lord. And so why don't we just take a minute and pray right now and and ask for him to come and do what only he can do in our hearts right now at this time of year. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you in your presence, and uh, Lord, those are not light words. Those are awesome, glorious, blood-bought words that we enter into the presence of God and we come before you in prayer because of Jesus Christ, because his blood has made the way. And Lord, I pray that you would lead us in this time, in this message, Lord, that you would lead us to see the theme of peace, Lord, how it is woven throughout all of Scripture and how it ultimately is found only in your Son, Jesus Christ. God, would you open our eyes to that reality this Christmas, that you would open our eyes, Lord, to see that that your presence brings peace to our souls and to our lives for all of eternity. Lord, come and show us these things, we pray. Lead us in them, we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
Amen. Well, honestly, we, we all long for peace, don't we? We long for peace in our own lives. We long for a peace of mind. We long for a heart that is at rest. We long for family peace at this time of year, don't we? Um, would, Lord, it would be great if the kids would just get along on Christmas morning. Yeah, okay? That they wouldn't have a war over the leftover box that's bigger than all the other ones. Okay, that's typically what happens at my house, is there's a battle for who gets the biggest box. They don't care about the presents, just give me the box, okay? And then everything breaks loose in that moment. And so, yes, we want peace. We want family peace. We want, you know, peace in our own lives. We long for peace, but often, to be honest, we pursue peace in the wrong places, don't we? We pursue peace or we even think of, you know, peace in the wrong places. And so I just want to be super clear as we start into this time, as we talk about peace, um, I want to be clear about what kind of peace we are not talking about today. So a few kinds of peace that we are not talking about. First of all, uh, we're not talking about family peace. We're not just talking about the kids getting along on Christmas morning. We're not just talking about, you know, that awkward conversation with that awkward relative not coming up and everything going smoothly at Christmas dinner. Yeah, we all hope for that and wish for that, but that's not the kind of peace that we're really talking about today. We're not really talking about um, pseudo inner peace, you know, the kind of peace of like put on a pair of tights and a headband and go sit by a stream in the forest on a log and hum and you'll have peace. That's not going to give you peace and that probably just gave you a really bad picture in your mind and I apologize for that. But we're not talking about that kind of peace. We're not even talking about peace of mind that can be achieved through financial savings plans, through RRSPs, through insurance, through job security. We're not talking about that kind of peace when we talk about peace today. You know, to be honest, we're not even really talking about international world peace, though Jesus' presence in the future will have a massive impact on that. Primarily, when we talk about peace today, we're not talking about that. I think we all understand that, you know, peace deals and peace talks, though they're important and necessary, will never secure world peace. Why? Because the problem is not just different political ideologies. The problem is that there is a serious thing that is broken in the heart of man, that only the peace of God can solve. And so when we talk about peace today, we're not talking about those things, but what we're talking about is we are talking about the soul peace that only Jesus Christ can provide. We're talking about the peace of God. We're talking about gospel peace. We're talking about rock-solid peace between you and the living God that says that your sins have been paid for, that you now have access to the presence of God for all of eternity. That is an awesome kind of peace, isn't it? That's the kind of peace that we want to go after today. You know, those other external temporary peace things, they can wait. If we get this kind of peace, if we get the peace of God, that's so much better than anything over here. And so let's dig into that a little bit. We want to talk about the peace that exceeds all of these other types of peace. And Jesus, in John chapter 14, he speaks to his disciples. I want to read this verse for you. It's a pretty amazing verse. Jesus says to his disciples, notice what he says in John 14, 27. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. 
Listen, tonight, uh, what we're going to do is we are just going to unpack this verse bit by bit. And we're going to unpack this verse, and we're going to unpack all of the theme of peace throughout Scripture quickly. Okay, so we are going to be moving pretty quickly here. I get that. But we are going to unpack what went wrong to how Jesus brings about restoration. Notice what he says again in John 14, 27. Don't just pass over this. Look at these words. Jesus says to his disciples, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. So let not your hearts be troubled and neither let them be afraid. Listen, the first thing that we need to realize about peace is if we are going to have true peace in our lives, if we're going to have true peace in our lives, that we need to realize this, that peace is only possible because of Jesus' presence. It's only possible because of Jesus' presence. That's the first thing that we've got to get, that, that peace, the kind of peace that is being talked about here, the kind of peace that transcends world peace and all of these other things is peace that is only possible through the presence of Jesus Christ. It's the peace that only he can bring and only he can deliver. Listen, as we're in John 14 here, we've got to understand where we've landed in Scripture Right here in John 14, we are really right in the middle of the action, okay? This is hours before Jesus is arrested. This is probably just several hours before Jesus is beaten, before he suffers, and before he is ultimately nailed to the cross. And Jesus, knowing that all of this is coming, says to his disciples, peace I leave with you. He knows what's about to happen. And he he wants to focus in on his disciples so that when he's not with them, that they will understand that they can walk in peace because of his presence. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you, so let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. That is an awesome word for us today. That is an awesome word for us today because that peace that Jesus speaks of here in this passage is available to us. We can know this peace, but we need to realize that this peace is not not available to us through all of the things that the world has to offer. This peace is only available to us through Jesus Christ. It's only available to us in him and in him alone. And so I want you to think for a second about What a major theme in scripture this is, okay? Think about how peace is such an important theme throughout all of the Bible. You'll remember, if we go all the way back to the book of Genesis, if we go all the way back to Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, Adam and Eve in that time, they were created in the image of God. They were in the garden. They were there, and it says that God walked with them in the cool of the day. They had peace. They had fellowship. They had relationship with God. That was pretty awesome, pretty amazing, But then Genesis 3 happens, right? And in Genesis 3, what happens? Well, sin enters into the world. Everything that was peaceful before becomes chaotic. It becomes broken. It becomes messed up. There is no more walking with God after Genesis, in Genesis 3. There's no more walking with God throughout the rest of that section of the Bible. There's no more walking. All that we see right there is we see fleeing from God. No longer do they experience the peace of God, but they flee from the presence of God. Listen, what God is doing in Jesus Christ is he is calling us back to himself. He is reconciling us 
to the living God. Here's, here's the big picture of scripture. We've got to get this overarching theme to see how significant it is when we come to the New Testament that Jesus comes to bring us peace. And so here it is. Throughout the Old Testament scriptures, what we see God doing is we see God beginning to restore what is broken in this world. The things that sin has broken, God is restoring. He's bringing about his plan for the restoration of all things. And we read of this throughout the scriptures right there in Genesis. There's the promise of the one who will come and will restore. But we read about it in other places of scripture too. One amazing place that really points to the peace that Christ will bring is Micah 5 verse 5. Micah 5 verse 5 says this, and it's speaking of Jesus Christ, and it says these words, and he shall be their peace. What an awesome promise. Written years, hundreds of years before Jesus Christ walked this earth, pointing forward to him saying, he, Jesus Christ, will be their peace. Isaiah is another wonderful example of this. Isaiah speaks of Christ 700 years before Christ walked this earth. Mark that. 700 years before Jesus Christ walked this earth, Isaiah spoke of him. He spoke of him with incredible detail through the leading of the Holy Spirit. And he said this, For unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. How awesome is that? Do you see this theme? Do you see this thread that is woven through scripture of the peace that only God can provide, that only God can bring? Well, listen, that's not it. You know, when we come to the New Testament, when we come to the New Testament, we read in Luke chapter 2, 14, that the angels, that they announce the birth of Christ and listen to what they say. They say, they come to the shepherds and they say, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Did you get that? As the angels come to announce the coming of Jesus Christ, as they come to announce the coming of the gospel into the world, they say, glory to God in the highest and peace to people with whom he is pleased. Listen, this is not just, you know, an important theme of the Advent story. This is really the theme that ties the whole Advent story together. It is the peace that God brings to this broken world through his son, Jesus Christ, that is only available to us if we know him as our Lord and Savior. Listen, that's not the last place that we see this. We also see, you know, it, we see the same theme in Ephesians chapter 2, 14. We see Micah 5, 5 on the screen right there that says, for he himself is our peace. But Ephesians 2, 14 says this, for he himself, speaking of Jesus, for he himself is our peace. Micah, we see the Old Testament foreshadowing of the one named Jesus who will come and be our peace And in Ephesians 2.14, we see the clear fulfillment of that where it says, for he himself, Jesus Christ, is our peace. He is our peace. But we also see this very clearly in Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 through 20, which says this, speaking of Christ, it says, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, now catch this, making peace by the blood of his cross. That is the ultimate story. That's the overarching story of Christmas. That's the story that ties Christmas and Easter together is that Jesus Christ came into this world. 
He came into this world as a baby in a manger, yes, but all the while that manger is pointing forward to the cross of Jesus Christ. Listen, we don't have peace because Jesus just came as a baby. We can have peace with God because Jesus lived a perfect, righteous life, and then he gave himself ultimately on that cross in our place. He died there. But the awesome thing about the gospel story is that it doesn't end there, right? That, that we don't, you know, praise a, a Savior who came as a baby and then died and is dead. We praise a Savior who lives today who brings peace to every soul because he's resurrected and because he is our living hope. He's alive and we can praise him for that today. And that is why we can have peace with God because Jesus Christ has gone and stood where we couldn't stand. Who could stand to bring about their own peace with God? Could you do that? I couldn't do that. How would that even be possible? How could me, a sinful person who is under the curse of sin, stand before a righteous, holy God and plead my case as if to bring about peace with him somehow? That's impossible. But Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, perfect, spotless, sinless in every way, fully man, fully God, came into this world. And he came into this world not only to die on the cross, but he came into this world to be perfection, to live a perfect life in every way, fulfill every single requirement of the law, and then to give his life in our place so that we could have peace with God. And not only so that we could have peace with God, but so that we could know and experience his peace. Listen, we can know peace because we can know Jesus Christ, but listen, we can experience peace in this life. We can walk in peace in this life because Jesus was able to walk in peace even in times of incredible adversity. We see this right here in the text. It's right there in front of us. Let's, let's take a look there again. John 14, 27. And Jesus says, peace I leave with you to the disciples. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Listen, here's the second thing that we need to see today. Jesus longs for me, he longs for you to experience the fullness of his peace. We can know the peace that Christ offers, but do we walk in that peace? Do we experience that peace? He longs for us to experience that peace in our daily lives this Christmas. Jesus longs for us to walk in peace. Where do I get that from? Well, it's right here in this text. Take a look at it. He says, my peace I give to you. He says, my peace, get that, I give to you. That's super significant because if we understand the kind of peace that Jesus Christ has, then we will understand how significant it is that he gives his peace to us. So I want you to think for a second about the peace that Jesus Christ has. What does it mean that, that Jesus has peace in adversity? Well, you're like, well, that's pretty easy. He was a really you know, good person and a good teacher, so he knew how to be calm under pressure. No, <laughs> no, okay? Well, he was God. Yeah, that's getting closer, okay? But here's the thing. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, had perfect peace because he was connected to the Father. Okay, let's get that, okay? He had peace because his Father is peace, and his Father provided peace, and as he was connected to the Father, as he is as the Son of God, okay, that is how he had perfect peace. Now, notice what he says. My peace, okay, my perfect peace that I have I give to you. Now, he's saying this to believers, and he's saying, hey, listen, guys, here, the peace that I have, even in this moment of crazy adversity, I want to give it to you. 
I want you to have it. I want you to walk in it. And he says, I don't give you this peace like the world gives. Okay, I don't give you the type of peace that the world gives. How does the world try to give us peace? Well, the world tries to give us peace by telling us in times of adversity and difficulty, oh, don't worry, it'll get better. Um, You know, just focus on this. Think good thoughts. Think happy thoughts. Positive vibes, right? Okay? All that stuff. Or it says, you know, there's better days coming, okay? We're going to get through this economic crisis. We're, you know, it's going to get better. We're going to bounce back. Just focus on that, and you will have some peace and have some security, Maybe that's true, maybe it's not, okay? But Jesus doesn't give peace as the world gives peace. Jesus gives peace that is real, that is lasting, that has depth, that is based on the rock-solid foundation of his relationship with the Father. It's eternal peace. It's gospel peace. It is soul-satisfying peace. I love how John Piper sums this up. John Piper says this. He says, the peace of God can never be separated from God himself and Christ himself. If we want peace to rule in our lives, God must rule in our lives. Christ must rule in our lives. God's purpose is not to give peace separate from himself. His purpose is to give you peace by being the most glorious person in your life. Listen, that's what God wants in your life this Christmas. He wants to be the most glorious person in your life. And as he is the most glorious person in your life, he will give you perfect peace so that you can dwell and walk in peace even in times of incredible adversity. Listen, God, God is the only one who can give us true, lasting peace. God is the only one who can give us gospel peace. We've said that little phrase quite a bit already this message. We've talked about gospel peace quite a bit, but let me just unpack this for a second. What is gospel peace? Gospel peace is obviously peace that comes only from Jesus, and it's peace that is there for us even in times of adversity, but gospel peace is also, well, peace is also a fruit of the Holy Spirit. We know that. And so with the fruit of the Holy Spirit, you know, in one sense, I'm I'm kind of powerless to bring it about. I rely on God to do that. Yet at the same time, I know from Scripture that I can walk in peace as I look to Jesus Christ. And so what we need to remember here is that this is God working in us and us co-laboring alongside God, walking with him, looking to Jesus, okay, looking unto him, we can walk in peace, trusting God to produce this in our lives. Listen, gospel peace is, it's not primarily world peace, it's not national peace, it's not even racial peace, though the gospel has a massive impact on racial peace, but it's not primarily that, okay? Gospel peace is is so much more than anything that this world can offer, okay? The the world's offers of peace are basically just band-aid solutions, aren't we? Can we agree on that? To a certain degree, not, not many of us can agree on that, okay? We're sleeping, that's all right, okay. Um, The world's offers of peace are primarily Band-Aid solutions, right? Yeah, they are, are, okay. It's like you have a severed limb, heaven forbid. Put some essential oils on it, that'll help. (laughs) It's it's not gonna help, okay, okay? Okay, that's what the world's solutions are like when it comes to peace, it's not gonna work. But Jesus, notice what Jesus says. He says, I don't give you peace like the world gives you peace. I don't give as the world gives peace. He says, I give you gospel peace. I give you my peace. 
Well, what is this gospel peace? Okay, what, is it, what does it look like? What does it actually do in our lives? Okay, here's a few things. He says to his disciples, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Okay, that is a significant statement. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. In other words, there is some things that my peace brings about. Here's a few things right here. First of all, peace, God's peace, gospel peace brings about faith over fear. It brings faith over fear. Not that there will be an absence of fear, but faith that triumphs over fear, even in the face of fear, that kind of faith. Listen, it brings about dependence on God instead of worry. It brings about dependence on God instead of worry about things that we can't control. How often do we do that? How often do we worry about things that are just way beyond our control? Okay, mm, yeah, that's what the other service said too. Mm. Yeah, you're either lying or we had turkey dinner earlier or something, okay? Does anybody else here worry about things that they can't control? They're, okay, now you're, now you're honest. Good. Okay, great. Okay, yes, yes, I do the same. But listen, gospel peace brings about dependence on God instead of worry over things that we can't control. These are the fruits of gospel peace in our lives. Listen, there's more. Gospel peace brings about security in times of chaos and uncertainty. As I walk through times of uncertainty, I don't know what's around the corner, but I can trust in the Lord who is sovereign over all. I can depend on him. I can lean into him because he will be my rock. He will be my fortress. He will be my refuge in this time. That is gospel peace. That is an awesome reality. Listen, gospel peace brings about joy in the face of sorrow. I know as a church, we're walking through some hard things right now, many hard things. But listen, gospel peace brings about joy even in the face of sorrow. The Apostle Paul said that he was sorrowful yet always rejoicing. Why? Why? Was he just, you know, a happy guy? No, no, because the Apostle Paul had tasted of this gospel peace that the presence of Jesus Christ provides, and he was walking in it, he was living in it, he was experiencing it, and therefore he was able to show it to others through his life. Listen, gospel peace can be known, it can be known, it can be experienced through Jesus Christ, but can also be shown in our day-to-day lives. And we can say, based on these things that we've already talked about, that peace is only possible through Jesus Christ, that peace is only possible and that peace can be experienced in our daily lives. We can say, based on these things, finally we can say this, therefore I can live in peace even during times of adversity. Point number three, therefore I can live in peace even during times of adversity because of the rock-solid peace of Jesus Christ. I can live and walk in peace even in times of adversity. Where do we see this in the text? Let's look back. And Jesus says to them, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. We need to remember what's happening in this passage. We need to remember what is happening in this text. I told you right at the beginning of this message that when we pick up the Bible in John 14, we know that Jesus is only hours away from the cross. Did Jesus know the cross was coming? You bet he did. He told the disciples over and over again, hey, I'm going to go and I am going to die and I'm going to die in this way on this cross and here's the purpose. And the disciples didn't fully completely get it totally. They were a little bit dense on those things, but they understood that something significant was going to happen. And Jesus says to them, guys, listen, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Why? Because you can have peace 
even in the middle of adversity, because I give you my peace. And it is a peace that surpasses all understanding. It is a peace that won't crumble in the face of chaos. It is a peace that is full of all the glorious promises and all of the grace of God. Listen, peace with God leads to the peace of God in your life. Do we get that? We all want to walk in peace. We all want to experience peace in our own lives and our families. But the only way that you're going to have that is through the peace of God in your own life. If you don't know the peace of God in your own heart, if you don't know that your sins are forgiven, if you've not put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, if you've not repented of your sin and turned to the living God in faith, then you don't know his peace. But you can know his peace this Christmas. You can know his peace. You can receive his promise. You can do that by simply turning to him in faith. Turn, turn to him in faith. Confess that you are in need of a savior. Confess your sins before him and turn to him and cling to him as the most glorious person in your life and he will give you peace. He will give you peace that is lasting and enduring that will be there through the trials and through the storms of life. I love how A.T. Pearson, a pastor of many years ago, said this. He said, the peace of God is that eternal calm which lies far too deep down in the praying soul to be reached by any external disturbance. That's the peace of God. It lays so deep within your soul that it can't be reached, it can't be hindered, it can't be torn away by any external disturbance. That is the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Just over the last few weeks, I've seen a picture of what this looks like in a young father and a young family that has just experienced tremendous, tremendous loss. This family lost their child who was only six months old unexpectedly, just out of nowhere. The child was totally fine. Everything was fine. They went to the doctor that day and the doctor gave the child a perfect bill of health. Everything was good. And they came up to tuck the child in that night and found the child lying there dead on their bed. Wow, I can't even wrap my mind around what that would be like as a father. I can't even wrap my mind about, around what that would be like to experience that just days and weeks before Christmas. But listen, as I've heard what this father has said and as I watch this father conduct this funeral and as I've read some of the things that he's posted, my heart was moved by how the peace of God was leading this father, this family, through such a terrible, terrible situation in life. I want to just read to you. Because maybe you're sitting here right now and you're like, okay, I get this. I get the peace of God. I, I understand what that is like. But I, but I just need a picture of what this actually looks like in real life. I just I want to read to you something that this father wrote just a little while ago. Listen to what he says. He said this. 12 days before Christmas, we lowered my son's casket into the cold, hard December ground. A few lines later, he goes on to say, and I've never been looking forward to Christmas more in my entire life. How's that even possible? He says, no, now I can't wait. Now I finally get it. Now it doesn't matter how many presents are under the tree. Nor does it matter how excited my kids do or don't get to claw open their presents on Christmas morning. Now I finally know what it looks like to have your soul ripped open and laid bare. 
I know what it feels like to have every arrogant pretense of tomorrow's plans and every foolhardy boast about yesterday's accomplishment, accomplishments smashed to pieces with fragmented shards hanging from every side of your broken heart. I know what it feels like to have nothing to hold on to but the goodness, mercy, and sovereignty of God and to cling to it for dear life until you finally feel the hurricane beginning to subside. I know now what it's like to be gifted with the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. I know now what it actually means to believe that all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purposes. I know what it means to find true sustaining hope in the future resurrection. And I was blessed with the strength and the opportunity to preach these truths and the hope that they contain over the casket carrying my son's body at his funeral. The road to, the resurrection, the road to resurrection began with the incarnation, he writes. On December 25th, we celebrate the beginning of that incarnation. Listen. Because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was born into this world as a baby. Because he lived a perfect, spotless life as a man, being fully God and fully man at the same time. Because he died in our place on the cross. And because he is risen again, we can experience the peace of God. Because of his presence with us, that he is here with us through his Holy Spirit, he will surely lead us to glory. We can know the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. This is an awesome hope. This is an awesome gospel glory that we have here in the peace of Jesus Christ. And I pray that each one of us would truly know the peace of Christ, the peace of his presence this Christmas season, that we would be blessed as we make much of the peace, of the joy, of the hope, and the love that he provides. Listen, church, his presence is our peace. Let's pray. Father God, we are so thankful that you have made a way for us, that you have come, Lord, to rescue us, to redeem us, to save us. That you have come to not only bring peace to us and to bring peace to this world, but God, you have come to be our peace in your Son, Jesus Christ. And God, I just pray over everyone in this room right now. I just pray that this reality of the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding that is available through Jesus Christ, Lord, that you would take that reality and you would press it deep into hearts today. Oh God, for the one who doesn't know you, would you help them to sense their urgent need to, to know you and to know the peace that only you can provide, their urgent need for a savior. And God, for the one who does, but is struggling right now, walking in a time of darkness where your peace seems distant, Oh God, would you bring it to light? Oh God, would you help them to rejoice in it and delight in it? And Lord, for the one who's here and is experiencing a time of blessing from you, Lord, would you help them to know that every blessing they have has been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ at the cross of Jesus Christ? And would you help them to rejoice in that? God, we pray these things in your name and for your glory. Amen.